0: to Area 51 and a Half. I am your host, John Allen, and with me as always is my co-host...
1: Snyderman at 501, Nick Snyder.
0: Nick, we have so much to
1: talk about this week. Yes, we do. Now, you were mentioning to me
0: about Dolly Parton. Yeah, Dolly Parton. This is... You know, who doesn't like Dolly Parton? We love Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton has this really great personality that has served her over the years as the Queen of Country... But they offered her a spot in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and yeah. she turned down the nomination. She said she wanted to go to other artists, the votes to go to other artists. She didn't really consider herself a rock and roll artist.
1: Yeah, and that's fair, but still, to turn to turn down the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that's that's kind of intense.
0: Well, but think about it. Nobody, nobody is saying, oh, why did she do that? Everyone's saying, oh, good for her. You know, what a wonderful thing that she's done. Because, again, she wanted the votes to go to legitimate rock and roll artists instead of her who she considers herself to be a country artist. Yeah. She's already in like the country hall of fame.
1: Yeah. And that makes sense. She,
0: she's in the grand old Opry. Yeah. She's in, she's got all these accolades. So, I mean, she doesn't maybe see herself as a rock and roll artist. And when she drops a rock album then maybe, maybe she'll consider that, but I like what she's done. I think it's, it speaks to her personality. She's the type of person that she says, um, you know, I keep my opinions to myself and uh, let others live and let live and she's a very respectable
1: person she's very very steeped in philanthropy and you know she she has a a thing where you can where kids can just mail away for free books and she sends them books and that's just she is a wonderful wonderful humanitarian i have so much respect yeah. for her you
0: know and i like the fact that she's been married to um uh carl dean for numerous numerous years You know, since she was young. And I respect their marriage and the fact that he just basically lets her do her thing. Mm -hmm. He stays out of the spotlight. Right. Um, And she respects that he does his thing and wants to be out of the spotlight. And they've had a wonderful marriage all these years.
1: Yeah, and that's there's a lot to respect there. Now... If she ever does do a rock album, I'm I'm down for that. I will listen to that. Could you imagine? I would love to hear a Dolly Parton death metal album, but that's that's never going to happen. I don't
0: think she'd do death metal. No, but, uh, <laughs> but she couldn't. She certainly could handle rock and roll because I think there's been a lot of uh, go between between country and rock. Yeah, yeah. As someone that's not
1: a big fan of country, I do recognize there is a lot of crossover between the two, especially when you look at older what's considered to be country like elvis like elvis was the the king of rock but he's seen as a kind of a country icon well, his
0: his sound is in like uh, it's uh bluegrass and yeah, rockabilly yeah. and that kind of stuff yeah. right so that's where his sound came from so yeah. like you look at somebody like johnny cash who you know some of that some of his songs could maybe be considered rock and roll yeah
1: yeah and then, you know, i like johnny cash as well so yeah, it's it's she could definitely do rock. She could definitely do that crossover.
0: If she ever does, I would love to hear it. But, you know. Yeah, very talented woman. Um I first funny funny little story. I first knew of Dolly Parton when I was a child. That's when she was uh I think she was just coming out of the Porter Wagner show or maybe she was still on the Porter Wagner show. But my first introduction to Dolly Parton was uh, she did a guest spot on Captain Kangaroo. Oh, wow.
1: Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, You can
0: see that on YouTube somewhere if you want to look that up.
1: One of my favorite little bits of Dolly Parton trivia is her involvement, or at least her production company's involvement in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because Buffy the Vampire Slayer was produced by Sand Dollar Entertainment, and Dolly Parton is the doll part of Sand Dollar. It's her production company. So, yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer... The TV show exists
0: at least in part because of Dolly Parton, which is cool. Well, uh, moving on from that, the Oscars are coming up very soon. Yes, they are. Now, yes, they are. The Oscars have always had this sort of um, problem, if you will, this uh, of tra- attracting younger viewers, attracting the audience. The audience seems to tune out l- more and more each year. Yep. They don't want to watch it.
1: They stop caring.
0: Yeah, and but the problem is, I think. One of the problems is they think it's the length of time. Okay, yes, that's problematic, but here's a couple ways as a viewer, as a long-time viewer of the Oscars, that they can fix it, because what they're doing, which we'll get to in a minute, is not going to fix it. No. Okay, so first thing, bring back a host, but give the host some reins. Yeah. Okay, like we, we miss those opening numbers, and we miss the musical numbers, but you We don't need Jimmy Kimmel coming in with and wasting a ton of time having people parade in off the street. Like, it's funny. It's like, oh, look, you're at the Oscars.
1: I think what you're saying is instead of a host, they need a master of ceremony. Right. Which, similar things, but the idea behind a master of ceremony is that they're literally controlling the show. Right. And I think, I I do think that there is the the Oscars has lost a lot of control over the years. It has become big. It's become bloated. And yeah, I don't think they need to necessarily trim down the time. I mean, people will sit there through a three-hour Batman movie and have no problem with it because it's entertaining. People will sit through four hours for however long the Super Bowl is because they enjoy it. So I don't think time is necessarily the issue. I think they need to kind of revamp the way that the the show is presented. And I think they really really need to cut down on some of the speeches that are made. Yeah,
0: and why do people tune into the Oscars? Let's look at why they do. People like to tune in to see the fashion. Yes. Number one. So you got the red carpet going on. Yeah. Two, you like to see the movie stars as movie stars. You know, not just their characters. And that's kind of one of the problems, is that Hollywood isn't making legendary movie stars anymore.
1: That is something I, I think is also correct. I don't think... Hollywood has become kind of a a flesh factor. They just churn out new faces. And they're not made in... Like, they're celebrities, yes. I mean, you look at people. You look at the the Chris Hemsworths. You look at the Leonardo DiCaprios. You look at the Blake Livelys. These people have the look. And they are touted as big stars. But Audrey Hepburn and... John Wayne, Robert Redford, Paul Newman, Jack Nicholson, Meryl Streep, yeah, they're not these people. Like these people are, like these people, Jack Nicholson, Robert Redford, Meryl Streep, these are all legendary performers of the acting industry, and not no one, no one in today's modern crop, with the exception of, and honestly, I don't think they're even part of today's modern crop because they are part of a generation that came out decades ago. But Leonardo DiCaprio, Johnny Depp. Brad Pitt, these are all actors that fit that mold. But since the early 2000s, we haven't really seen a lot of actors that fit that mold, that fit that timeless idea behind them. Like Blake Lively, I think, is the closest woman to old-time Hollywood that is currently living.
0: You mean like comparing her to, say, Elizabeth Taylor?
1: Yeah, cuz she has that look of classic Hollywood about her, especially when she's on the red carpet. She looks like you could just drop her into the 1930s, 1940s and she'd fit
0: there. Yeah, and I would say that that's probably true of Reese Witherspoon too because yeah. I've never seen her wear a bad dress to any awards show. Yeah. You know, and she has a certain southern down-home charm about her whether you're a fan of hers or not. Not really relevant. She um uh, deserved an Oscar for her talent. Um I, I think she deserved it maybe for something different than what she wanted for, uh, which was the Johnny Cash biopic, mm-hmm. Rock the Line. But, I mean, at the same time, she did sing. She did her own singing. Yeah. You know, and so um, I just think that it's, it becomes problematic because they're not in tune with the audience.
1: Yeah. And the, the thing is, like, the problem with the Oscar isn't just these things. It's multifaceted. The whole thing has become kind of, I don't want to say irrelevant because I don't think these people getting awarded is irrelevant, but the way the show is
0: presented has become irrelevant. But if you watch TCM, TCM uh, Turner Classic Movies, yeah, they do their sort of Oscar prelude, coming up to Oscars, where they're showing all of these old movies where they, they won Oscars. Yeah. Either it was the best picture or it was the best um, performance, best actor, best actress, all that kind of stuff. And when you look at things like Gandhi, you look at things like The Last Emperor, you look at these sweeping biopics that they and and these sweeping extravaganzas that they used to do and laud and award, we don't get those kind of movies anymore.
1: No, like when you look at let's look at let's look at Dune as an example. So when you look at Dune, yeah, it's this big sweeping epic, but and this isn't to take away anything from Dune, but it's a big sweeping epic that is a giant CGI extravaganza. It doesn't have the same feel. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that we don't need CGI in movies. I do think that we do, especially for things like in Dune, where it, it, it surpassed the point where we. it's just better to do this and use miniatures. Yeah,
0: and to, but, you, to your point that you made about Star Wars, it expands
1: the world. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But the thing is, is you have this movie that has been cast with some serious big names. And when you have all these big names and there's not, this is nothing against Timothy Chalamet. I like Timothy Chalamet, but he's not a big name. He is, he's an up and coming star. He's on the rise, but I think that they needed someone who was bigger than Jason Momoa, um, bigger than Brolin to play, uh, to play the main character bigger than Zendaya, to play the main character, because that would have tied the whole thing together and given it that sense of gravitas that, unfortunately, Timothy Chalamet is just a new face to a lot of people, doesn't have.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I've seen a couple of the movies that have nominations, Um, and I'm going to use The Power of the Dog as one. It's got a ton of nominations behind it, including Best Picture, which I honestly don't know why. Uh, Because... When you compare it to movies that I've already mentioned, it doesn't have that grandiose feel to it. It's a great story. It's a slow burn, a real slow burn, but it's got three acting nominations out of that. One is Benedict Cumberbatch for mm-hmm. Best Actor. I would say, yes, probably deserved. Jessie Clemens for Best Supporting Actor, and Kirsten Dunst, I can't remember if she's Best Actress or Best Supporting actor. Actress. I I can't actually figure out why, and I'm not trying to pick on him, I can't actually figure out why Jesse Clemens is nominated. Other than maybe there just wasn't a whole bunch of stuff this past year in which to nominate, and so that looks better than it actually is? I, yeah, sometimes I, sometimes
1: I feel like the Academy is trying to hit a quota in the categories,
0: but... Well, but, you know, Jesse Plemons works. He's in just about everything you can imagine. I shot a home movie and there was Jesse Plemons. Huh. So, I mean, it's just... It's one of these things where it's like you tune in to see these big stars. It was like the old disaster movies of the 70s and early 80s. You tuned in, you went to these movies because, one, they were a grand spectacle, both mm-hmm. of special effects, and it was peppered with all kinds of big stars. Yeah. And you would go to watch to see which big star did it and which one survived
1: yeah I, I think what it is is like if you look at the dune series let's go back to dune for a second i understand the reason that they've chosen timothy chalamet he's young he's talented he's got a good look to him and there's a billion dune books they could if if the dune series takes off which it looks like it's going to do they can keep him in these movies forever and ever and ever yeah until he's mark hamill um and that's that's kind of thing is biz- i think hollywood looks too far on the business side of things and maybe the actors do too yeah. because i mean timothy chalamet probably did not make millions for doom
0: no but this this brings us to one of the other problems with the oscars nobody can see these movies they're they, it's gone from the studios cuz the studios are making marvel they're making uh Batman they're making all these other fun movies great movies don't get us wrong we want entertainment do not come for us just our opinion but they're the big studios are not making these sweeping movies so then the independent movies do but where do you ever see them
1: yeah that's the thing is like we have a theater that shows independent movies it's in the next city over and their are they're scheduling for it isn't the best it, it's all over the place
0: yeah so it could be in the middle of the afternoon Yeah. but at the same time have you even heard of the movie honestly what was it called with the Benedict cumberbatch the uh, power of the power dog. of the
1: dog i hadn't heard of it until i saw the nominations
0: yeah and th- and that's the thing like the big joke uh, that was made i forget who made the joke but the joke was uh power of the dog has 12 nominations one for every person that saw it there you go um and it's on Netflix. And this is, this to me is one of the other problems is that we're not actually going to the movie theaters to see movies. It's on Netflix. Netflix didn't really market it. It had to have been in a movie theater somewhere in order to qualify for yeah. the Oscars. So most people could see it on Netflix. But if you're the average viewer and you're flipping through Netflix, you're not looking for the power of the dog. No. You are looking for, uh, well, uh, well I, when they had the contract, you were looking for a Marvel movie, or you're looking for the uh, DC, like you're looking for something to really entertain you. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. A lot of
1: people, and I find myself doing it quite a lot. A lot of people will put on Netflix as background noise. Yeah. Like the, the amount of people I know that will just put on Friends as as background noise. I will put on Brooklyn Nine Nine as background noise. I watch more. I quote unquote watch more television shows on netflix than i do movies
0: yeah but that's what i mean like there's there's movies that i think modern audiences certainly millennials and below would probably find boring and if you don't great i'm just generalizing don't come for me yeah yeah
1: yeah i get what you're saying as, as a millennial the, i understand what i, you're I saying. don't
0: think you're gonna sit down and watch out of africa or, or the passage to india no
1: I know I've seen Passage to India at some point in my life, but it's not something I'm going to seek out and watch.
0: Exactly. So, but back in the day, people did. That was their grand spectacle. That was akin to something like uh, Jurassic Park, where you hadn't seen that kind of vista before.
1: Well, and that's the thing is, like, as things escalate, because I don't know what other term to use, as things escalate in the movie industry, as things escalate in Hollywood, what once was a spectacle... Is now just a shot in another movie. Yeah. Like, you have scenes, like, in old school movies where it would be a burning fire up against, against a city. And for the time, for 1930s, 1940s... Yeah. Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Yeah. That was a beautiful shot. But now, you would see something like that. And it's it's a city. It's a, It's CGI flames. It it loses the specialness of it, because one, we've seen it before, and two, it's now boiled down to just a part of the movie.
0: Yeah, so I mean, and of course Hollywood wants to be PC, and that's fine, This should, because we're looking for representation. So why are they not putting their money where their mouth is? Because one of the problems this year... Is that the Oscar has dropped original score and film editing categories from, yeah. the, from the program? There's still categories, they're still going to get an Oscar, but they're not going to be shown on the program. And I find this problematic because it removes representation as a black. There's a black female artist who is up for film editing. And it removes that representation from the show, you know? And she's nominated for No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. So. Without her, like, representation is more than just actors and directors.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's the frustrating part of it. And I can even hear your frustration in this because
0: what, what want, about everyone else? I want to see the original score. I love the score. That's one of yeah. my favorite categories. Yeah. I love when they, when they,
1: I love seeing the score. I love when they perform the score, when the orchestra performs the score. That's fantastic. But... This is a bad idea. Removing them, those categories.
0: Yeah, like I mean, I I love original score. I love original song. Um, I love the makeup category, but unfortunately, the makeup category has gone the way of the dodo because you used to get nominations for things like The Grinch and American Werewolf in London and you know things that were actually prosthetic and yeah. wonderful. Now because they've gone more CGI route, and you get these oh it's hair and makeup, and uh, it's we turned. Um, well, let's think of a young actress, we turned... Um, oh, we just saw her last night. Yeah, Mia Goth. Mia Goth. We, so that movie, which we'll talk about later, that movie should have act, should actually be nominated for makeup.
1: That movie should be nominated for a couple things, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. So with the Oscars, I think at the end of it, they, ha- they have work to do to make the Oscars the actual... This is another thing we talked about because this is the problem. And... You're going to have to excuse me because I'm going to compare the Oscars to WWE wrestling for a minute. So This ought to be good. Oh, yeah, this is going to be good. (laughs) So here's the thing. The Oscars, when they do put on the show, they are performing for the people in the auditorium and not for the people at home. So there's that disconnect as well. And that's where my comparison is. When you have Monday Night Raw, the the wrestlers are performing for the hard cam so it's the camera that's against the the main audience they're performing for the audience at home so yeah sometimes you see the people in, in the audience sitting on their hands because they're not really playing to them but
0: to me that's that's the thing that Oscar's has to do yeah because to your point um i remember explaining to my cousin that she was really upset. She said, I'm just tired of hearing all the political speeches that these yeah. celebrities make. We don't care. Yeah. Okay. We I... we don't care about what your political agenda is. We want entertainment. We want dresses. We want makeup. We want to see you. Uh, we want to see you cry. We want to see you blubber. We want to see you thanking somebody. We want a streaker interrupting David Niven. That's what we
1: want. So, and, and here's the thing with that. I'm a You know me. I'm a very political-minded person, as I know you are. But when I watch the Oscars, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't need to be told how evil said president is, no matter how much I agree with him. Yeah, it. and
0: one of the the, the things, there's a, a video out called uh, Oscar's Best Moments, and it goes to a certain length of time. Um, and by length of time, I mean certain year, and then it stops. And it shows... Uh, Vanessa Redgrave receiving her Oscar, right? And she was basically saying, "Um, this is also in the wake of of um Marlon Brando turning down his Oscar for The Godfather because of the treatment of of um uh, indigenous people, yeah, and so forth and so on, right? And so Vanessa Redgrave gets up there and she thanks the Academy for overlooking this and not ge- giving in into a bunch of Zionist hoodlums and blah 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 blah." And off she goes. And of course, some people booed and some people whatever. Well, following her, screenwriter and author Patty Chayefsky comes out. And he said, uh, there's one or two things that I have to clear up if I'm going to be able to live with myself tonight. He said, I'm sick and tired of people using the occasion of the Oscars for their own political and personal grandizement. When a simple thank you would do, I would say to Vanessa Redgrave that her winning an Oscar is not a pivotal moment in history. I would agree with that. Now, like, here's
1: another thing. One of my acting coaches when I was younger, one of the things that he impressed upon us when we, were, when we were you know looking up to other actors is to keep in mind that a lot of actors generally are actually very stupid people. Now, I don't take that to heart. I don't think every actor I've ever met. Is no, a I, I,
0: I would not agree with that at all.
1: But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that I do look at. They are people. They are people with thoughts, opinions, just like the rest of us. And their political opinion matters the same as the rest of us. And if they want to have that platform, fine. Do what, do what Sean Penn has done and go over to Ukraine. <sighs> fine, do that. I think that's a mistake, but go ahead, but I don't think the Oscars is a way is the way to do that because it it comes off as self grandizing and it comes off as self letting crap.
0: listen, you have Twitter, you have instagram, you have facebook, you, you have all TikTok. these you have all these social media platforms where you can do that, and the people that are interested in you doing that will follow you, yeah, but when I'm watching an award show, I don't want to see that, yeah. I want to see the
1: actor hold the pretty statue, say a couple thank yous, and then bug off.
0: Yeah, make your mascara run. Make me jump for joy. I was... uh, You know I'm a Reese Witherspoon fan. Love her to death. I was so happy when she won the Oscar. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. There is
1: drama in certain people winning the Oscar. There is. I mean, we talked about him earlier this year, Sidney Poitier. Yeah. It was huge when he won the Oscar. And that's the thing. Is like... It's it's kind of, it becomes kind of like sports at that point because you have underdog stories where you have some dude and well in this case a black man up against a bunch of white actors who would normally win and he won that Oscar and he delivered a beautiful speech and it, it offered that sense of drama about it and that's the thing
0: this is this is a, an award show. For for film. And bring the humor. Yeah. Bring, bring the humor. Like when Paul Hogan was was up for Crocodile Dundee. Now, I don't think it was Best Actor. I think it was Writing or something like that. Okay. But he he, he made a joke of it, right? Where he sat there and he said, I, I've flo- flown how many thousands of miles? If I don't win, it's not going to be pretty.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, there's the thing. My, my eyes just... Lit up there because I was like, "Did Paul Hogan get nominated for Best Actor?" What? No, no. no, no. <laughs> but anyway, any way, that's, and anyway, that's that's the thing. Like, it lacks it lacks a certain level of humor, and it lacks the the connection with the home audience. Who, at the end of the day, the home audience is the one that matters. They're the one watching the advertisements. They're the ones tuning in to watch the show. They're the ones paying for this yes. show. Yeah,
0: I mean, like Jim Henson gets up there. Right. To present an Oscar. And he starts talking like Kermit hmm. and then he goes, <clears throat> sorry about that. I had a frog in my throat. I mean, these are the kind of things we want. Like, give me give me Johnny Carson and Bob Hope hosting the Oscars. They knew how to do it. And that you know, like Johnny one of Johnny Carson's greatest lines, greatest jokes on on the, the, the Oscars was I see a lot of new faces here tonight, especially on the old faces. <laughs> You know, I mean, this is what we want to see. Yeah. I have to say, I was really disappointed with last year's Oscars because they made it very diverse, but wow, how you made it diverse in like the crappiest year possible when you can't have the big spectacle, you can't have the big to do. Yeah,
1: yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, like, the problem is not that it was diverse. The problem is that it didn't give the diversity right. the spotlight it that needed. Exactly,
0: or deserved.
1: Yeah, um, and I, that's it. I don't think there's much else I can say about the Oscars other than that. I mean, well, we're, we're not producers. No, we're not We pro- might be wrong. We're not but this is just how we see it. We're
0: not producers, but if you want to fix the Oscars, bring back an MC yep. who knows that the show isn't about them. Yeah. Tell... The recipients, hey, thank your manager and all that later. You know, keep the speech short. Be gracious, be grateful, get off. You know, Um, bring back a couple of those song and dance numbers that we miss. I guess what I'm saying is just make the thing entertaining again. And that's what it needs to be. That's what it needs to be. That's all there is to it. So... Let's move on, Nick. Since we're talking about movies, let's move on to Scream 5 and the Scream series as a whole. Now, Nick, uh, we didn't get to see Scream 5 when it first came out, so forgive us, we're a little bit behind. Yeah,
1: when when Scream came out, uh, the pandemic was in full go and our theaters were closed, so we couldn't go see it. And I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't shelling out the $27 to watch on Amazon. So, here we are. It finally hit Paramount Plus, and as soon as it hit Paramount Plus, I was like, okay, let's watch Scream. You know what, Nick?
0: I am glad that I got to watch Scream 5 for free. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm i not <sighs> ripping on any Scream fans, but I really am so glad we didn't have to pay for that. Now, aliens, what we're saying is if you love the Scream franchise and you love the Scream movies, that's okay. We we're grateful that you do because that may have brought you into the horror genre and to the horror-hound family. What we're saying here though is that they're not really that good, guys. Well, and and that's the thing. Let, let's let's start if we're going
1: to talk about the franchise as a whole, let's start with the first one. Okay. The first Scream was actually a decent slasher flick. It was actually a decent flick.
0: Yeah, and it's it lampooned and
1: spoofed slasher movies, and it really brought it breathed new life into the slasher genre as a whole. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have had movies like I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, movies like Urban Legends, like Valentine, without this film. Even and in fairness. I like the first Scream movie. Yeah, it is a good film. It subverts expectations in all the right way. It's a decent script. It's got a great cast. It's got a great cast of young up-and-comers. I love the first Scream film. It is good. Now, moving into Scream 2, I enjoyed Scream 2. I thought Scream 2 was a perfectly cromulent sequel. Decent sequel. Yeah. Um, And, again, subverted expectations. Because with Scream 2, we, we didn't know what direction it was going to go in. We didn't know that Jamie Kennedy's character was going to get off. We didn't know that it was going to be Billy Loomis's mom. No, but
0: you could almost suspect that one of those original survivors was going to get off because that's usually what happens in a slasher sequel.
1: Typically, I was I, honestly I, I was expecting Dewey to die. But anyway, <laughs> and that's then we move into Scream 3 and this is where the the franchise becomes problematic, completely problematic because it, it starts relying on silly tropes. It starts relying on stupid things. It's a bad script full of stupid characters. Characters who were smart in the previous films doing stupid things. Like when when Dewey and Gail go to the mansion at the end of the movie because they got a call from Sid. Even though they know Sid was doing something else, they still go to the mansion. It's like, why don't you question this?
0: This is what I'll say about Scream 3. It has Lance Henriksen in it.
1: Yeah, he's got a, a neat little cameo from Carrie Fisher as well. Um, here's the thing
0: the,
1: with Scream Three as well is the 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 twist, the, the the crescendo of the film is pulled out of daytime soap operas. It was her long lost brother. It's all a Scooby
0: Doo ending. <laughs> what a! You always stupid. see those memes where Scooby Doo is like in Hadfield, or Scooby Doo is is uh, with the supernatural guys, which yeah. is actually a real crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the the one franchise that feels like Scooby Doo and the gang should be in there is, is Scream. Scream, and that's that is it. That is exactly it. It was a
1: stupid ending. It was a it was a piss poor ending. Oh, and
0: was. Scream Four. I mean, had Emma Roberts in it and Hayden Pantiera, so yay. Yeah. Um,
1: um, the the less said about Scream Four, the better. I <laughs> until this one came out,
0: I thought it was uh, Scream Three was the worst Scream movie. Now listen, and, people might give us flack, but this is one of the problems with the franchise. It's the same script over and over and over again. Well, and that's the thing. I watched the new Scream movie with my with my fourteen year old
1: kid, and even they said this is the same movie as the first movie, exactly the same. Now, when I first watched Scream Five. On on Paramount Plus this past week I didn't mind it I I, I kind of liked it And then I started thinking about what I had watched I liked one scene in it my, my first thought was, you know what It's not the worst horror movie I've ever seen Nope, I've seen Sledgehammer It wasn't the worst Scream movie I've seen I've seen Scream 3 But after, after a week of digesting it At this point Okay, still not the worst horror movie I've ever seen Thank you, Sledgehammer But it is the worst Scream movie why is it the worst? Because honestly, I felt that this was the worst script. And this is the thing. It was they, a very contrived script. It was a stupid script. And I'm sorry. Funny quips, nostalgia, and legacy characters cannot mask a crappy script. I don't care what anyone says. That is just not so much. No, it's true.
0: Happen. We saw that with Halloween Kills.
1: Yeah. <sighs> My thoughts and feelings on Ghostbusters Afterlife has since changed, and I will throw that in the mix as well. Cause. There you go. Like it's just, it, I tried rewatching Ghostbusters Afterlife and it was great to see it in theater. I really enjoyed it in theater, but watching it um watching it at home on, on on television, it just it came off as a popcorn fart. It wasn't as entertaining. It wasn't as good. And Scream, it's the same problem with Scream. You have these legacy characters in here who are little more Than a prop. They're a little more than a MacGuffin to continue the plot. To move the plot forward. That is why they are there. And it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Because honestly, with with the mild exception of Dewey. And I'm going to say mild exception of Dewey in Scream. Gail Weathers and Sidney Prescott could have not been in that movie. And it
0: wouldn't have made a single change to the plot. Except we never would have gotten the great line that Gail says where it's like, Are you ready for this? <laughs> for this? Never. Yeah. I mean, I, I like out of all of them, I like Courtney Cox the best. Yeah. You know, um, I love Gail Weathers. I mean she's I, I you could have done the whole screen series with Gail Weathers.
1: And and that's that's the thing, is like I I prefer Dewey. I like Dewey a lot. Oh sure, I like Dewey too.
0: I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with the characters. Yeah.
1: But I just there was no need for it. There was no need, need for it. And the problem is, is it also, the script, and this is the real, real pisser for me for the script. It thinks it's smarter than it is. Yeah,
0: because here's what happened. Halloween 2018 came out. And it was wildly successful. Yeah. And now, Texas Chainsaw is going to do the same thing. Scream's going to do the same thing. There's a Scream 6 now. Yep,
1: that's that's going to be in made. the
0: works. So let's let's break it down from start to finish as to why it's not good. Now this is my opinion only. It's just our opinion. You can disagree with us, but this is our opinion. So Dewey is living in a trailer. There's a trope in and of itself. Yep. And he's separated or divorced from Gale, mm-hmm. which makes zero sense from when we saw them in Scream Four, but somehow Dewey miraculously after. A few years, well, I guess it's supposed to be two in the script, but technically ten. After all this time, he still has Gail's number. He's never talked to her in those two years, but he still has her number. Yeah. And he's never talked to Sydney, but he still has her number. Well, and that's... Like, numbers don't... Like, they, they didn't change their numbers. People change phones like they change their underwear now.
1: Yeah, and that's that's kind of a thing, right? And and there's so much more to it. Like, one of the biggest problems I have is the ending, which is beat for beat the same as the first movie. At least with the other movies, the endings are at least a little bit different. But this one is beat for beat the same. It even takes place in the same house. It's Stu's old house.
0: Okay. But you're getting ahead of ourselves, Nick. That's the ending. Right. We're just at the start of this thing. Right. All right. So we've got a young cast full of who? Who? comparatively when i look at the original cast they had they had resumes they were up and coming the only one that i'm aware of and maybe it's because i'm old i don't know is jenna ortega Mm -hmm. so i mean let's look at the original cast for a minute and why they were up and coming i mean you have rose mcgowan skeet alrich matthew lillard jamie kennedy nev campbell Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and grounded it was, was Drew Barrymore and a cameo by Henry Winkler.
1: Yeah, and that like that's the thing. like When Scream came out, I was aware of, I was very aware of Neve Campbell because she had been in Catwalk, which I watched as a kid, and she was in uh, The Dark, which is a horror movie I also enjoyed that she did before Scream. Yeah. And then you got David Arquette, who was in Airheads, and, uh, You've got Rose McGowan, who had been an Encino Man. And
0: Biodome. And Biodome. Like, the Like, the, their stars were rising. And so they got to these up and coming stars, which was very common to do in the, the 90s. Yep. And give them these horror movies to play these college kids and, mm. and high schoolers and, and basically get killed. Yep. You see that in the faculty. Yeah. You see that in. Um, uh, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, all those All, movies. all of these actors had a cachet prior to doing those movies. Yeah. Whereas in Scream 5, you kind of lose that.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Screen, the original Scream, you're right, they have that cachet because they have a built career, especially Drew Barrymore. A lot of people went to see this movie thinking that Drew Barrymore was the main character. She was responsible for they, getting butts in seats. They
0: even had that on the poster. Yeah. And and then they get to pull this really neat psycho move where it's like, oh, you think Drew Barrymore is the final girl? Nope.
1: And that's where it properly subverts expectations. Properly. Yeah. Now, comparing that to Scream and going back to Dewey for a second.
0: Let's talk about Dewey.
1: Okay. So, Dewey, if you haven't seen Scream, and I guess this is going to be the Spoiler alert. <coughs> spoiler alert.
0: <coughs> spoiler alert. <coughs> spoiler alert. <coughs>
1: Spoiler alert. alert. Dewey gets popped. Dewey gets killed. And that, I guess, was their attempt at subverting expectations. Because Dewey has been put through the ringer in all these movies. Like, rewatching Scream 2? Man, I thought he had died. And then they pull him out in the ambulance. Look at my face, Nick. I know. Am I happy about that? No. Dewey was a great character. I love David Arquette. I have sat through some abysmal crap to watch... David Arquette. I sat through, ready to rumble to watch David Arquette. Here's the thing.
0: It does the throwback where there's two killers in a costume that is sparkly now. (laughs) Like, good lord. No, this is my problem. So they set that wonderful thing up where Dewey gets everybody in the elevator and he says, no, no, you gotta shoot him in the head. And you get this wonderful moment where Dewey is coming into his own after being sort of bumbling. He is matured. He knows he's too old for this shit. He's, he a, knows.
1: he's a grizzled veteran at this yes, point. Yes,
0: and he knows what has to be done. And yes, it's a trope in horror movies, but I'm sick of it. Especially to do this to Dewey. Dewey goes in there. Now, David Arquette has been a professional wrestler, for God's sakes. The man has bulk. The man, I, I get what you can say that, yes, he's got a limp. Yes, he's old. Yes, he's decrepit, whatever. But he's not that decrepit that at the end of the movie, when it's discovered it's a teenage girl, can take him out.
1: Well, and, and that's kind of the thing. And, like, teenage girl, or, or regardless of her being a teenage girl, the fact is her size. Like, if, if she was a larger person... It could work. She's, but this girl was 80 she's pounds. She's
0: not a WWE diva.
1: Well, and that's the thing. She's 80 pounds soaking wet. And I'm I'm supposed to believe that she can take out a fully grown man.
0: Like, I'm not saying that women can't take out men. We have female soldiers. Don't come for us. We're not being sexist. We're talking about the movie. In the movie, this is an itty-bitty thing. She... Uh, no. Yeah. No. And, 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 and you're telling me okay. that,
1: that, that... let's Hang on. Let, let's take the fact that she's a girl out of it. Let's take that okay. completely out. If it was a skinny little dude who was 80 pounds soaking wet, it it would not have it would not have worked. I mean, let, let's even let's look at a real life uh situation. You're more than 80 pounds. Right.
0: Can you take way, me out? Way more than 80 pounds. Can no, you take me out? I can't. There, take you you out.
1: Out. there you go. There you go. Was,
0: you outweigh me by at least 100 pounds.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is it it takes you out of it when you realize who is behind the mask. And that's the thing is like I, when I saw that, I'm like, well, I don't think
0: that's one of the girls because why would that happen? Yeah, and and that's the throwdown before he goes back. Yeah, because I can buy that she gets the drop on him. Yeah, but I can't even buy that because Dewey's been through this before.
1: Yeah, Dewey know, uh, and that's where it gets to the script just being bad because it forgets what's happened before. This this movie should not really have been. That much of it... What happens in this movie should not have been that much the of an issue. The
0: only reason they killed Dewey is so they have a contrived reason to bring Gail and Sidney back.
1: Yep. Yep. That is exactly correct. And that's... Again, it's just a bad, bloody script. It is a stupid script. And honestly... And I'm going to blister the movie here. I don't really care. Anyone involved... Okay... With the younger cast aside, with the younger cast aside, anyone involved in this movie should be shunned from decent society and sent to live on an island somewhere in the South Pacific with no technology and and no society. I'm
0: going to correct you. I'm going to correct you on two things. Okay? Okay. No, I don't think anybody involved with this. I'd say the producers and the screenwriters. Oh no! I I, don't. I I think no, because the actors—it's a paycheck. It's a job. I am throwing Nev Campbell, David Arquette,
1: and Courtney Cox into that because they should have known better. They should have known better to do that script because it's a bad script.
0: Nick, it's their job. I know it's their job. What have they done lately?
1: Do they really need to? Do, let me. Okay. Does Courtney Cox need to do anything? Well, she still has to pay her bills. Courtney Cox probably makes. Okay, I'm going to assume she makes a ton of money off of residuals for friends.
0: I. Uh, you know. The, you got me there. But it's still. You know. Like she's probably at an age where kids are going to college. <laughs> you know.
1: I think she might be beyond that as well. But whatever. I, I get your point. I know it's their job. I know it's their job. But there is integrity in it. No, and but,
0: but here's no here's the thing. There's no integrity when it comes to acting. It's like here's here's your script, learn your lines, do your performance, here's yeah, your paycheck. There's yeah, no integrity okay. when it comes to acting.
1: You're right. You're but right. But there is
0: right. integrity and a responsibility when it comes to writing a decent script. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. There is integrity well probably not. <laughs> when it comes to producing, not, to produce, <laughs> that's, that's definitely not questionable. to produce a piece of crap. That is
1: definitely questionable. Now, now,
0: now here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Before Roger we, Corman bef- would disagree with you. Yeah, that. before we continue on with that, though, I, I, I want to say I reached out to people with a sincere question, and I said, what about the Scream franchise do you actually like? Now, a few uh, fans got back to me, and... Their, their answers were fair. It wasn't just like, well, I like it, so it's good. Like, no. They actually had some fair points. One of it was continuity. Like, it's probably, out of all the franchises, it has the most continuity to it. It hasn't really branched off into some weird thing like, say, with the uh, Halloween into the Thorn Cult or anything like that. Okay, it's got continuity, sort of. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. And the other one was nostalgia. That was a, a big one. So it's okay, folks. I've got nostalgia for things that I watched as a child that I rewatch as an adult and go, why did I like that? Well, you I
1: mean, you know me. I love Transformers. I'm not going to sit here and say that the 1980s Transformers cartoon is good. It's not. There are some fun episodes, but it's full. It's riddled with continuity errors, it's riddled with animation errors. It's not good. And it's the same thing, like, even if you
0: look at. Ewoks. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I feel
1: nostalgia for that,
0: but I'm not going to say Super there, no, Friends. I need another Ewoks movie. Super Friends for me. I loved the Super Friends. I don't know how many times they reworked Super Friends for Saturday Morning Cartoons, but, you know, it's like, wow, really? Marvin and Wendy and Wonder Dog, and then you know, the Wonder Twins? Wonder Twin Powers activate, yay! I mean, uh... Let's look at an
1: at example of nostalgia for me that's coming out, that's coming out in movie form soon. So... In the 1990s Spider-Man cartoon, Michael Morbius factored into that quite a bit. Okay, and I really enjoy that character. But am I sitting here going, "Oh man, this Morbius movie is going to kick ass"? Not really. It's probably going to be fun, but I don't, I don't expect much from from
0: it just because I'm nostalgic for it. Yeah, like folks, I, uh, aliens. We're getting, we're getting worked up. We know this. The reason we're getting worked up is we cannot understand the affection for. A series that overall is just mediocre.
1: Yeah, and I cannot understand why people are gravitating towards this awful script.
0: Yeah, um, maybe because the movie industry hasn't really put out a whole lot of stuff over the pandemic. Well,
1: and uh, well, I mean, there's a l- okay, and again, that's multifaceted.
0: Nick, maybe we should tell them why we're so angry. Well,
1: oh, there's, a, there's several reasons I'm angry. One, this has really become a point of contention with me with with movies that are coming out that are sequels or quote unquote requels to previous uh, to previous properties like Star Wars, like Ghostbusters, like um, well, to a lesser extent for me The Matrix. These these movies to me are indicative of a couple things. One, it's indicative of writers who are essentially just spewing their 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 fan fiction fantasies out on a page and going this is good. Number two, and this this comes up really clear in Star Wars the Last Jedi. And it comes up here in scream, these movies are littered and defined by missed opportunities. Yes. And that's where I get angry and frustrated, is that there was a good movie
0: here. There was a good movie in Scream. I I could see it. I could see it. You can look back at the series and go, okay, even three, which I know you don't like. You can look back at when it was made, the time it was made, what they were doing with it, and you can appreciate it. Yeah. Have we not moved past that, way past that by now? With screen five, where you're 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 taking it back to basically a style that is dated. Well, and it's not just
1: taking it back to the style; it's taking it back to the same story beats. I mean, if you look at the um, the, the the speech that Jack Quaid's character makes, the, the the one of the killers makes at the end of this film, and it's the same speech, just with different um, points. that that Skeet Ulrich makes in the first movie, that that Billy makes in the first movie, about, in in this one...
0: Oh, and and how contrived... Sorry to interrupt you. No, I'm so sorry, but how contrived is that that (laughs) Billy has a daughter? What was Oh, my God. What was he, 15, 16? We'll
1: we'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Um, When you look at what Jack Quaid says when he's talking about the the all the remakes and all the reboots and the way like toxic fandom and all this stuff, it's condescending at this point. The first Scream movie, along with Tarantino films and Robert Rodriguez films, turned an entire generation into wannabe film school students. So for this movie to stand there or to to, to preach to us about how these reboots happen and you have all these all these like characters that return and the legacy characters and all that stuff it's condescending at this point because anyone who enjoys this who are worth their salt know this already is not something that needs to be told to us the 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 thing with the first scream movie one of the best lines in that movie is scary movies don't make psychos they make psychos more creative that was the poignant thing about that film and for this film, for this film to do that, with talking about reboots and sequels and requels, it came off like a goddamn popcorn fart. And it was stupid.
0: You know, I'm even starting to get a headache. Nick, I'm finding, and I don't know if Scream 5 is to blame for it. I don't know where this term came from. We are now inventing horror genres. There, Folks, there is no such thing... As elevated horror. Yeah. There is monster movies where your vampires, your werewolves, your mummies, that that all falls under. You have your slashers. You have your folk horror. You have your creature features, which is kind of a subgenre of the monster movie. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where alligator jaws, all that kind of stuff falls into. You have supernatural, your ghost stories, your possession movies, devil, whatever. Mm -hmm. You have psychological and you have your classics like Vincent Price. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it all horror movies fall under one of those categories. there is no such thing as elevated horror. what you're talking about when you say midsummer is elevated horror no midsummer is folk horror well, and
1: that's the thing like elevated horror for me it, for me it's a condescending term It's a term that is made by people who want to feel better about their choices in horror because now here's the thing I love midsummer I Adore that movie It is one of my favorite movies not just one of my favorite horror movies It is one of my favorite movies fantastic film I also recognize a lot of people did not like it or did not get it or whatever and you have a bunch of people and It's kind of the thing with horror fandom is that some parts alienate the other and it, it sucks But it is just part of the fandom but there are people who feel alienated by the people that don't get that movie so they come up with the term elevated horror to say, well, this movie is smart, is too smart for you or something. That's how it feels
0: yeah, to me. And honest to God, there is it's... nothing wrong with a person sitting down with a big bowl of popcorn and watching sorority babes at the slime bowl, bowl is nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. Fun movie, piece of crap, but fun movie. Yes, and or Chopping Mall, or something like that. If, if that is your zen, if that is what you want out of a horror movie, by all means, invite me over, I'll bring pizza, we'll sit down, and we'll watch it. I'm not above it. But don't start inventing things. And if it's a piece of crap, admit it's a piece of crap. You can enjoy a piece of crap. Cotton candy has no nutritional well, value. And you've said that before. But on the other end, okay,
1: here's the thing. I don't like Titanic. I think I've said that in one of the past podcasts. I don't like Titanic. But I do recognize that at least on a technical
0: point, it is a good movie. John Waters said there's no such thing as a bad movie. There's always something in a movie that is good. Yeah. And I tend to agree with him. I think you can find something. Now, sometimes it's the end credits. <laughs>
1: well, you know, that, that, that was always my joke about that first Angelina Jolie uh, Tomb Raider movie. Is you know there was one really really bad part of that movie it was the part between the opening credits and the end credits and <laughs> that 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 that's fine um there are movies where I've watched them and the opening credits are artistic and beautiful and a cGI wonderfulness and they're they're the best part of the movie yeah and that's the thing is like you can always find something good in Except for uh, except for Sledgehammer, you can always find something good in a movie. And you know what? You no, know what? no, hang on. You know what? I'll say this. You know what's good about Sledgehammer? I can sit there and I can joke about that movie. I can make Sledgehammer fun of that
0: movie. was a proof of concept. There's a good '70s throwback horror movie in there. I think the thing that you're talking about is things or whatever the hell Oh, that,
1: things, yeah. Whatever
0: that was called that that Joe Bob showed us and had the nerve to show us.
1: <laughs> but but like that's the thing is like there's
0: always something you can find
1: in a in a movie that you can enjoy. Like I, or you can
0: enjoy a type of movie, even. Yeah. Like there are, are, are people that love the old Godzilla movies, and I'm not taking that away from you.
1: Yeah, I love the old Godzilla movies. If you movies. love
0: the Scream series, we're not taking that away from you. We're just saying that when you compare it to other franchises, I personally am trying to get it, but I just don't.
1: Now, before we get into, just to, just to call back to what you said earlier about Billy's Daughter, um, one thing I will say that is good about Scream the death scenes were—they were great, fantastic. Especially they when were... he gets
0: the knife in the face. Oh my
1: god! The kills were great. The kills were br- like I—I I had never seen a level of brutality in the screen movies this mo- this hardcore.
0: Now the the thing though is I uh, I hated them killing do I also hated them killing Hanks. Hated that. Yeah. Just hated yeah. it.
1: Yeah. But the, it,
0: they were there for a body count.
1: Yeah. But and let's let's go back to Billy Loomis' daughter for a second. So the main character turns out to be Billy Billy Loomis's long lost daughter. And that is the same stupid crap from Scream Three where it feels like it was ripped out of a daytime soap opera. And hey, you know what's not relevant anymore? Daytime soap operas.
0: How many of these things can Sydney be connected to? Because here's the thing. If you uh, someone out there say, well, you could say the same thing about the Halloween franchise. You okay. Can... Well, here's the thing though. The Halloween franchise has had different iterations because it went from Halloween one and two, and then that was supposed to be the end of it. And it was supposed to go on to stories up that took place at Halloween, IE season of the witch. Yeah. That wasn't overly successful. They needed Michael. Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis says, no, I'm out. And so they said, okay, well then we'll move on. So then it gets into Jamie and the thorn cult. Yes. Okay. And Donald Pleasance dies after six. He, he, he dies at the end, I think, while they were still filming six. Yeah, he, they,
1: he died while they were still yeah. filming six.
0: So he, we don't have Dr. Loomis anymore. So things kind of languished. And where do we go from here? And we don't know. And nobody knows. And then John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis get this idea they're, where they're like, you know, let's end this. Let's end this series. Okay, great. I, I'm going to face my demons. Uh, Horace. Slashers are, are are new and relevant again. Let's do Halloween H twenty. Well, and
1: that's the thing. H twenty would not have happened without Scream.
0: Yeah, but I don't think it. would. Scream wouldn't have happened that. without Halloween. So there you yeah, go. Yeah. Um. So they they end it. They end no. it. The end of that, they kill Michael Myers. Done. Chop his head off. So the only thing left is, uh, oh well, we. I still want to make money, so we're gonna do Resurrection. I really wish they hadn't done. Resurrection. And Jamie Lee Curtis says, "I'm out." I, I this was supposed to be it. Okay, you have to kill Lori. So they, quote unquote, kill Lori. Great. So now, you know, we get the Rob Zombie movies. He does a reboot. Rob Zombie's Halloween. We'll talk about that at another time. And one is successful too, not so much. And so what's going to happen? Well, hey, John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis get together again and say, hey, why don't we just retcon everything back to the first one? so as the one person put out there about continuity the thing is that halloween tried to do something different okay they tried to keep the franchise going but in a different way where it wasn't connected to Lori, yeah where it wasn't necessarily where she had to be the final girl and yeah. this is my problem when people say well it's canon well canon is contingent on whoever the writer is mm-hmm. and whatever they want to accept so That's the thing. It's like in the new Halloween trilogy that we're getting, it goes back to the very first one. So it's a different timeline. Let's look at it that way. Mm -hmm. And so there is that direct connection. There's a connection between Laurie and and Michael. No longer the sister, but it's, you know, Survivor. She she survived Survivor's guilt, the whole thing. The one that got away. The whole thing. How many times can Sydney move and have a long-lost brother or have uh, the, the...
1: the cousin, or the, the
0: boyfriend's, the niece who hates her, or the, the 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 mother-in-law of the boyfriend, or whatever. It's just, it's no, you your know, continuity is so far-fetched and so
1: contrived. Well, and that's the thing. Somebody made the joke online. So for Scream Six, here's what we're here's what's gonna happen at the end of it. It's gonna turn out that it was Maureen Prescott all along. She's actually alive and secretly hates her daughter and sent. Billy Loomis and all that. No, you
0: know who it was all along? It was Agatha all along. Oh, I
1: hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's the thing. Like These these movies are getting more and more contrived as they go along. And that's the thing. Like, the slasher films don't have a great shelf life to begin with. Yeah. And they do get kind of crappier as they go along. Like, look, as much as I love the series, Friday the 13th, the quality in Friday the 13th, not that great. Because... Jason versus Carrie, as I like to call it. <laughs> Um, Jason Takes Manhattan. (laughs) Like, okay, I... I, And again, I enjoy these films. They are not good, but I enjoy them because they're fun to watch. Yeah, again, it's only our opinion. Don't come for us. But, like, that's the thing, is, like, with Scream, it's...
0: It isn't good. It isn't fun. I like the visual kind of of it, but I mean... It it just doesn't work, other than to give a voice actor uh, a pretty good run of being the voice of Ghostface. He's also the writer. Oh, I think he wrote this one oh, anyway. Lord.
1: But yeah, he wrote the original one, and anyway, whatever, whatever. It's Scream to me. Scream twenty twenty two to me was a mess. It was a mess of a film, and the legacy characters were there. Either to act as MacGuffins or to get killed. In yeah. the case of Dewey, I didn't like it. I thought the whole idea of Billy being this girl's dad was stupid. Oh, and
0: th- th- then she has to be some form of schizophrenic, I guess. Yeah. Um. I don't. I'm not trying to be insensitive. Well, okay, so it's I'm it, not it, trying to be insensitive, but she has these hallucinations of. Her idea of what Billy should be, or was, or whatever, telling yeah. her to do things. Just to bring Skeet Ulrich back for fun and giggles.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it was not good. Um, if I was, I'm, and just to wrap it up for me, if I was going to sit down and rate it, it'd be a 2 out of 10 for me. And the only reason it would get a 2 out of 10 for me is because the kills were that good. The kills were intense and brutal, and that's all it had.
0: I'm going to give... It a two out of ten as well, <laughs> um, for very similar reasons. One, the kills—I like the kills. I did like the kills. Can't can't complain about that. And two, I liked Dewey in this one. I yeah. liked Gale. Um, Dewey's
1: progression made sense in this. Yeah, and that's—I think that's what hurt the most about him getting popped.
0: Well, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, these people have always put. They also put Sydney as their favorite final girl, and I don't understand that because Sydney. any of the other final girls with – well, really, I think any of the other final girls could take her in an arm wrestling match.
1: <laughs> well, it's not just that. Sydney is just lucky. Yeah. Everything she does is just like – in the first one, if, if if Gail hadn't been there, she would have got killed.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, she, yeah, it's they've just been lucky, whereas the other ones have been fighters. Okay, Nick, enough about ripping on Scream, folks. We actually saw We're... a good horror movie last night.
1: Yes, you know, we did. Called
0: X. and oh. it, it subverted my expectations because I I didn't know how I felt about it initially because here's the thing. It's a good horror movie and I loved it, but it's not what I was expecting. I... I was expecting it to be grittier. Well, and that's, that's the thing.
1: The movie that I saw, it... It was it was filthy, it was sexy, it had stank to it and it was beautiful. And that's that was kind of the thing for me. I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting something a little more akin to honestly the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie.
0: I was sort of expecting something a little more akin to the old Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie.
1: And I think what we got was something that was kind of in the middle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to that point, remember I was talking about they didn't bring the heat of Texas in Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: This, this one, you did. could hear
0: the cicadas, you yeah. could see the haze. It was, and they they weren't you, consistent with it though. That's that's that, kind of the problem because I you, agree with that. Like you know the the boarding house that they were staying in. Yeah, those people would have been sweating their nuts off. Exactly, and the thing
1: is, and I've been in a house like that, and where we're located, it's nowhere near as hot as Texas, and. Still in the middle, like in the middle of the night during the middle of summer. Still, it's gross. Yeah. But like here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, it had it still had that feeling, and the way the shots were set up, the way they're walking through that field, I could almost smell the grass and the flowers, yeah, yeah. and the dirt.
0: It was it, summer in Texas. Yeah,
1: and it was very well put together on that level. I loved the Chekhov's gun of the alligator. Yeah, that was so cool.
0: Oh, that... That, was, that scene was so tense. Yeah, that was tense because you weren't... Sh- like, we were pretty sure we were she was pre- going to make it, Yeah, but, but it's it's a nice thing because it's like the, that whole shot is well, just, just to set it up for later on. Now, what's great about X, I think, is that it is something different and new while it's honoring and paying homage to other things. It was supposed to take place in 1979. Yes, And he... Ty West does these great... As I call them, De Palma shots. Mm-hmm. Throwing There's back, a
1: few of them. In throwing
0: this. back to Brian De Palma, but in the '70s, Brian De Palma was one of the big directors, and he he did those shots in Carrie. He did those shots in uh, *Fan of the Paradise*, and they're, they're, so it's purposeful. It's not like Quentin Tarantino, who just says, "I love De Palma, and I'm going to copy him."
1: Yeah. Um. So the, one of the shots, and going back to talking about the Oscars for just a second, this movie. And movies like this are the reason best editing exists. There is a shot, there is a scene, not, not just a shot, it's an entire scene where they, they 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 have split camera between what's going on in the cabin with the with the porn stars and what's going on in the old people's house. And the way that is set up it is it creates this sense of confusion, this compobulation. It creates this uncomfortableness because you have these young people um, sitting there having a good time, enjoying their lives as young people. And then you have this woman in front of her, her makeup desk, in front of her makeup table, in front of her mirrors, lamenting her youth. Yeah. wishing she could be that again putting
0: on the makeup trying to look oh, beautiful it was
1: it was it was heart-wrenching to watch
0: yeah and you know like there is a lot in this movie to unpack we're not going to do it today but wow what it, I, I i give that one i i'm going to give that nine out of ten if it had been just that much grittier i would have given it a ten.
1: Oh, oh you're more generous than i am i loved it but i i
0: because i'm giving it a nine out of ten because it did something different it did do something different.
1: Eight and a half. I can't go nine. Okay. Because, like, for, to, to give you an idea on my rating scale, nine out of ten is Empire Strikes Back. Nine out of ten is Jaws. Nine out of ten is a perfect film. The only movie that I sit there and go that deserves a ten out of ten is Uh, uh No, uh, Spookies. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Godfather. Uh, but, like, that's the thing. It's well,
0: like... here's the thing. I, I, I thought about... I, I continued to think about X when I went home. Yeah. And the thing, of, I. the thing of it is... You... I could predict each and every kill. Yeah. That There was nothing in it that, we that knew. was surprising. We knew it was going to happen. But here's the genius of it. I think... I think that Ty West, as write, writing it, I think he understood... That the story is not about the kills. Yeah. So the fact that you know what's going to happen—it
1: doesn't matter—is irrelevant. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is like you knew once the movie reached a certain point, you knew Mia Goth was going to essentially be the final girl. Now my initial thought was that because the way they start the film. You think it's going to end one way or, or another, but um, I I kind of just got the, the idea. that but it, was
0: it, a... but it goes back again to those movies of the 70s with the final girls where you have an innocent girl who then turns out to be not so innocent. Yeah. And therefore, she has to die because it's getting back to the idea of the devil's coming for your due. Yeah. So... None of the girls, and they even say it, and it's every every little moment is tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like the 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 the, my, porn, the porn director sits there and says, "None of the girls are 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 innocent. They're all my, none of them are
1: nice." <laughs> my favorite part is where they're discussing Psycho, yeah, and they discuss they say that the start of it was a, a plot McGuffin. To subvert your expectation. And at that point, the shoe drops, and this movie is something completely different.
0: Yeah, well, and they even said that. That's exactly what they said, you know? Like, you get to a point in a movie where you think it's one thing, but then it's
1: completely different. It was such a smart script. It was so good. But they had
0: a line like that in Scream, which didn't work.
1: uh, In the new Scream, in the new Scream. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just...
0: Uh, I, I've even forgotten the line, it's that I bad. Know, but, I, I mean, it started back with Jeepers Creepers where uh, Trish says to Derry, you know that moment in a horror movie when somebody does something stupid and everybody hates them for it? This is it. Yeah. And I love lines like that when they're done well. Yeah. When a horror movie is
1: explicitly meta
0: and it's a smart script, yeah. it works. And this movie worked. Yeah, because, again, that line... Halloween 2018. Oh, you're the new Loomis. Oh, okay. We can trust Dr. Sartan. No, we can't. No, we can't. <laughs> Holy crap. So,
1: yeah. X is a great movie. Um, if you get a chance to see it, if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's beautifully Brilliant. shot.
0: It's beautifully acted. It doesn't suffer from having huge stars in it that would take you out of it. Yeah. Um, I think Brittany Snow is the biggest name in it. Brittany Snow,
1: Mia Goth to an extent, but yeah, pretty Jenna much. Ortega's
0: Jenna Ortega's on the Ortega's. rise. But uh... Oh, you were, we were
1: going to talk about the prosthetics in this, because you've got uh, Mia Goth playing two roles. She plays the main character as well as the old woman, Pearl. And they stick prosthetics on her, and man, they're... they're, they're this is what I'll say. The prosthetics on Mia Goth were really, really, really good. The prosthetics on Stephen Yore, who played... I believe it was howard howard yeah the, they reminded me of that movie dan Aykroyd was in where he plays an old judge and it was it looked kind of silly but you, you you can forgive that one because they don't really focus on when you see this old couple they're either slightly off camera off in the distance or it's dark. So you don't really get a great look at them either way.
0: But you know the brilliance of that is there's a, a saying out there, it's a joke saying, that inside every senior citizen is a young person uh, wondering what the hell happened. <laughs> yeah. So I, it kind of, to me, it, it's, it gets to that. It gets well, to the fact that there's young people inside of old people, and this is a good representation of that.
1: So, and this is the thing. This movie was about... Like, it wasn't just about lamenting youth. It was about missing your youth. Now, why that drove these old women to kill these people, well, it, not No, sure, it's, it's but,
0: not, though, Nick. It's about the horror of getting old. Yeah. Because I can tell you, as I'm starting to age, I'm starting to relate to what these seniors were going through. Like, you see a pretty girl who's maybe in her 20s, and you have those stirrings, but there's not a damn thing I can do about it. Yeah. I can't hit on her because girls old man. You know, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, I know you, what you're saying. You, I get so it. You, you have these thoughts, you have these feelings, and you're trapped within a body that doesn't allow you to to explore them and to deal with them.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, despite that, Pearl certainly tried. Huh? Yeah, well,
0: but but there again, it's speaking to the dementia. It's speaking to the ravages of of being old in this nice juxtaposition where when you're young, and the reason that they're porn stars is you're young, you can experiment, you can have fun, you can do whatever you want to do, and, and you can still escape that. You, you you haven't lived long enough to have regret yet. Well,
1: and that's the thing. Like, there there's a part where... Um cowboy luke wilson i can't remember who he was without the name of him but there's a part where he says to uh the cameraman rj you know i'm 42 you're 23 23, i got more experience than you and it's like yeah that's that's perspective though because he doesn't have the experience that howard has who's like 800 years
0: old yeah and, and that's that's the thing. Yeah, and, and when you look at those characters, you have you have the innocence of Jenna Ortega's character who they call Church Mouse, yeah. who's just being exposed to this for the first time and she's like, you know, I, I, this is kind of interesting, this is kind of new, this is kind of different, you know, and then you've got the middle aged guy who's like trying to cling to that youth, and then you have the seniors who are like mm, it's gone.
1: Yeah. And I think the 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 movie a lot of the movie is about the division in generations. Yeah. Because that's the thing is like you and have not
0: underst- and understanding them. Yeah. Because the young people can't understand the seniors, but the seniors certainly have been there. They've yeah. been at the place of uh middle age, they've been at the place of of youth and now they feel very discarded. They feel like they're not being respected necessarily. There's there's all this kind of stuff and and the thing of it is there's always that kind of Disturbia about seeing senior citizens because we are reminded of our mortality.
1: Yeah, and that's another big part of it is dealing with our mortality. And well, some of the characters meet their mortality head on. Yeah, and, <laughs> it, you literally head on. Yeah,
0: but it, 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 it's very—it's a very rich movie. It's not going to be for everybody because it is about people making a pornographic movie, so there is a lot of nudity there in is. it. There if is. you are not comfortable with that kind of thing uh i would not show this to my mother <laughs> as an example um then then it might not be for you but it certainly is an interesting new something a little bit different Again, I think it's brilliant with the kills where they said, listen, what new can we write about this? So what if they see it coming? That's not what the movie's about. Yeah, it, it's, it's got the shock value. It's got the slasher value. It's got the Disturbia value. It's got all kinds of different. And then the ending. The ending. What a great oh, line. Oh, my God. What a great line. I'm not yeah. even going to say what the line is because I want people to see it.
1: Yeah. it was It was a fantastic film. Go see it. Nick, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> time, time for your roundup. All right, so the pop culture roundup for this week. So it's been a couple of it's been a couple banger weeks in pop culture. Some new things have been announced, and I am looking forward to it. So the new trailer for Obi Wan Kenobi dropped. So it looks like we're being brought back to a planet that we have not seen in some time, at least not since Book of Boba Fett ended. We're back on Tatooine. And Obi-Wan is is obviously watching after Luke from afar to make sure he's safe. It's interesting because one of the things that I, well, that's very easy to notice as a fan of uh, Dave Filoni's cartoons is it includes the Inquisitors from Star Wars Rebels. Now, the Inquisitors are a group of Essentially, they're not Sith, but they're Dark Jedi. and they're, they're Jedi that were picked up after Order 66. And they're... Obviously, Darth Vader did not go out and kill all the Jedi by himself. Because there was a ton of Jedi. So the the job of the Inquisitors was to, was to go out and find Jedi and dispose of them. So seeing the Inquisitors, for me, is really, really neat. Because the only time I've seen the Inquisitors is in a cartoon, in a comic
0: book, or in a video game. Well, listen, as a kid... When I saw Star Wars, it wasn't called A New Hope then. It was just called Star Wars. Ben Kenobi was my favorite character. I went out dressed to form as as Halloween. So whether it's Sir Alec Guinness or whether it's Ewan McGregor, I love a series that's going to be about Obi-Wan. I hope they do it right.
1: And I love Ewan McGregor. I think Ewan McGregor is probably one of the best actors of this generation. Yeah, yeah. And to see him play... Like, okay, I rag on Attack of the Clones a lot. I don't really like that movie. It is the worst. It is arguably the worst Star Wars movie. But one of the things that is consistent a lot among the prequels is Ewan McGregor's performance as Obi Wan Kenobi. He is consistently good, and he is just fantastic. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of backstory about Obi Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars cartoon that I would love to see at least mentioned in this show. I'm really looking forward to it. So another another thing to bring up is Hogwarts Legacy. Hogwarts Legacy is a new game that is set to come out in the fourth quarter of this year around Christmas. And it is a sandbox-style Harry Potter game. And you get to play as your wizard, and you're sorted into your house, and you have to solve a mystery. Basically, when I say sandbox, you're, you're looking at essentially a Grand Theft Auto-style game. Obviously not with all the killing and hookers, but uh, that type of game in a Hogwarts setting, which really looks cool. The trailer for it looks cool. And I just want to see what house I get sorted into, to be honest with (laughs) you.
0: The Ministry of Magical Hookers.
1: Oh, come on! (laughs) All right. Well, that's that one. Okay, so uh, very quickly, just going to mention something from the world of wrestling. Uh, Jeff Hardy has appeared in AEW. Now if you don't know what happened with Jeff Hardy, he was uh the W accused him of being high and told him to go to rehab and he told him to um go away and Unceremoniously uh, I imagine. Uh-huh, and he got fired. But he also did a drug test and guess what? He was clean. Ah yeah, he was just being weird, but he was clean. So his contract uh they, they released him from his contract. It is a 90-day and the really cool thing is he showed up on AEW Dynamite with his old Hardy Boys music from the WWE. Because, and this is something that I knew previously, because I'd seen it in another film, WWE does not actually own that music. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. There's a couple of theme songs that they used back in the Attitude Era that they didn't own, including this. So, so yeah. it was kind of cool. It's great to see Jeff and Matt back again. And I, I, I really... Looking forward to what they do. I hope there is a match between the Hardys and the Young Bucks. Because that, that could just be a banger match. An absolute banger match. Yeah,
0: and, and speaking of WWE, it's sad that Scott Hall passed away. Oh! Razor, Ramon, the
1: bad so, guy. That's that's a thing for me. I, I'm I really sad about that. I loved Razor Ramon. Um, I, I never really was a big WCW person. I didn't really gravitate towards that. I love WWE and I really enjoyed Razor Ramon when, when he was on, when Scott Hall was on WWE television. And if you look at what Razor Ramon did, he is one of, Oh, sorry, let me rephrase that. Let's get Razor Ramon out of my mouth for a second. Scott Hall. If you look at what Scott Hall, Scott Hall did some things that were pivotal to American professional wrestling. One, He showed up, he made the jump to WCW, and him, Hogan, and Kevin Nash started the NWO, which helped bring a lot of interest back into pro wrestling in North America. And it arguably set the stage for the Attitude Era with the WWF. Another thing that he did was the first ladder match with Shawn Michaels in the WWF. And the importance of the ladder match, the importance of the way he worked with Shawn Michaels, is is huge. It's huge, and he also came up with the Sting Crow gimmick, so that's cool too. It's sad to see him go. I I feel for his family. I really feel for Kevin Nash because he's lost his best friend. Um, I just hope he's having fun in that big ring up in the sky.
0: I'm <laughs> sure he is.
1: Um, another thing we need to talk about is the Miss Marvel trailer. <sighs> We have our thoughts on that. Now, there's a lot of people that don't like the way it looks. I'm not too bothered by it because I think it tracks with the age of the character. Like, it looks like, like if you look at the Harry Potter movies for a second, the way those movies progress, they track with the age of the character. And it starts off as this light, fluffy film for a 10-year-old, and then as they go along and he gets older, they get much darker. Yeah. And I think that's going to be kind of the thing with Miss Marvel. Um, I'm, I'm excited for it because I enjoy the Miss Marvel character. I'm not too big on them changing her power set, but I'm open to it. The only reason I think they've changed their power set is because, um, her powers are the same powers that Reed Richards has, that Mr. Fantastic has. And I think that they are getting prepared to start announcing a cast for Fantastic Four, and they don't want to have someone with the exact same powers as, as Mr. Fantastic in the MCU. I get that I think it's silly, but that I mean that's the only reason I can come up with the power change. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't really know enough about that to speak to that. Yeah. Um I do know that I I'm glad that there's more diversity. This is, you know, somebody who uh has a different background, it'd be interesting to to see yep. how how that relates. Uh I think you're right, it does feel the trailer at least feels like it's geared towards maybe 12 to 14 somewhere yeah. in there yeah I which can see that. is really hard for me as a 50 year old man to kind of invest in like you had mentioned about other properties though that as a older person I could watch Harry Potter I could watch uh, the, the spider-man movies yeah. as an example so I I I think I want to give it a shot to see what it does, I, Yeah, because, I, I'm, because I, I'm hoping that the trailer is just not a good trailer.
1: Yeah, like that's the thing. I'm, I I intend on watching it with my kid. They're 14, and I, I've always enjoyed the character. Well, I shouldn't say always. I've, since the invention of the character, Kamala Khan, I have always enjoyed that character, so I'm really looking forward to seeing her in live action. Uh, another thing to bring up is, so in May, Star Trek Strange New Worlds hits the airwaves. Or Paramount Plus and or Crave, wherever you happen to be. And we got news that they have cast Paul Wesley as a young James T. Kirk. It, it's hard to say because Paul Wesley is a little older than than Shatner was when he started playing yeah. Kirk as captain. So it'll be interesting to see what they're, they're going to do with that. I'm looking forward to Strange New Worlds because I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Enterprise Adventures again. Because that's one of the things that Discovery lacks, it's one of the things that Picard lacks, it's one of the things that Lord Dex lacks, is the inclusion of the Enterprise. So, I, I love the Enterprise. I, I look at the Enterprise as the same way I look as the Millennium Falcon. It is a character in of itself, and I'm looking forward to seeing it back. And finally, on the Pop Culture Roundup, I want to bring up, and we watched this trailer last night, wasn't it? Uh, it was Quarry. Quarry is a new video game from the makers of Until Dawn. And if you haven't played this, it's a survival horror video game. But it's, it plays out very much like a film. So it's like a choose-your-own-adventure or an interactive film. And the cast that they have for this film. So Until Dawn had Hayden Panettiere, Rami Malek, and a few other people who have gone on to make at least some small names for themselves. But this one's cool. This one, we've got David Arquette, who we've already talked about. It's got Sam Raimi. It's got Justice Smith. It's got Ariel Winter. It's got Lin Shay. It's got Lin Shay. and who is a huge horror legend, along with Sam Raimi. Ted Raimi. Sorry, Ted Raimi. Not Sam Raimi. Ted Raimi. And if you played Until Dawn, and it's a game that you enjoyed, this is going to be, this is going to Kick all sorts of ass, and I can't wait to play it.
0: Yeah, you know we were discussing this last night. And I'm so glad that Lynn Shay actually had a horror series of her own because yeah. she was really uh, an, an unsung scream queen from way back when. Yeah, she wasn't playing the, the the main characters or whatever. She's helping build the the house that Freddie built. Yeah, uh, with Bob Shay. Yeah. So to to have her have the series of like the Insidious series yeah. is really good, and it's really great for her to. Uh, be able to be part of a franchise that is all of her own that she is the star of Loveland Shea. Yeah. Nick, how can our listeners get a hold of us?
1: Well John, we can be reached on Twitter at the Area 51H. You can also find us on Facebook under Area 51 and a half. Also on Twitch, the Area 51H. Please join us on Twitch. I'm still working out the schedule. Right now I have Tuesdays and Saturdays. Uh, Tuesdays we'll be doing Jurassic World Evolution, Watch Me Play with Dinosaurs. And on Saturdays we will be doing uh, ww 2K2's My Rise playthrough with a character that we have created together as a group. And his name is Big Daddy Dangerous or something like that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he looks like a Christmas tree. He was supposed to look like the Welsh flag. It looks absolutely stupid and it's great. So come join us. We'll have some fun. We'll talk. We'll chat. We'll do everything we can on Twitch. Okay. And don't
0: forget to interact with us on our Facebook. Every Friday night, I post our Friday night fight flick where you can look at the uh, movie that I'm recommending to watch for a little bit of fun and horror. And what was your movie this week? So all month long, we have been looking at the Nightmare on Elm Street series. So I was up to number three on the last Friday. So it'll be four and probably five this Friday.
1: Awesome. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. All right. Uh, Just before we go, I did want to give the answer to our trivia time question this week. This week I asked, what connection does the Scream series, the entire franchise, have to Star Trek? It's actually two connections. The answer is actually Star Trek Lower Decks. Jack Quaid, who was in the most recent Scream movie, and Jerry O'Connell who was in Scream 2, provide the voices of Brad Boimler and Commander Ransom, respectively. So that's the answer. Neat little piece of trivia for, for Star
0: Trek and Scream. And that's all the time we have this week, uh, Aliens. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next time here at Area 51 and a Half. That's a good shot? Oh, yo, yeah, oh, X. Oh my God. Oh my God. Those shots, man. She's right?